0: There are now some 40 million handguns. Firearms really <laughs> represent an epidemic. of gun <laughs> violence. Join in this campaign to Always a serious guy. Stop a bad guy with a gun. He's a good guy with a gun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first official episode of the GVP cast. I am your host, Chad, and I'm really, really excited that you're joining me on this little journey. Now, this first episode is going to be the first in a three part series called How Did We Get Here, in which I will be uh, parsing through What I see as the three kind of seminal Supreme Court cases that have to do with the Second Amendment that brought us to the point we are at today when it comes to the right to keep and bear arms. So I am going to parse through this unholy trinity starting this week with Washington, D.C. versus Heller, uh, next week with McDonald, and then the week after that with Bruin, which is the most recent decision. Now, this conversation could very easily become pretty heady and legal, uh, but I will do my best to parse it down uh, so that even folks who are not in law school or lawyers can understand and uh, help diagnose the problem in the same way. But on that note, I would also love your feedback on this episode, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at the GVPCast and on Instagram at the GVPCast and give us your feedback if you think this was too legal and heady, if you think it was not legal enough, too fast, too slow, too much, too little. We would love to hear it all. But as I mentioned today, we are just starting with step one, which is Washington, D.C. versus Heller. Now, before I can really dive into this conversation, I do feel like I need to, for the benefit of all, I'm going to read the text of the Second Amendment so that we are all starting from the same background rock place so the text of the second amendment reads a well-regulated militia comma being necessary to the security of a free state comma the right of the people to keep and bear arms comma shall not be infringed period and now you may be sitting there wondering chad why did you emphasize where the commas were and to that i say buckle up you have no idea the power that a comma can have apparently. While the case of Washington, D.C. versus Heller was decided in 2008, it actually originated in a lawsuit filed in the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. in 2003. So in this OG case, which was actually called Parker versus District of Columbia, six residents of Washington, D.C. brought a lawsuit regarding three different provisions in D.C.'s Firearms Control Regulation Act. Now, these provisions uh, banned the registration of handguns, prohibited the carrying of unlicensed handguns or any other deadly or dangerous weapon capable of being concealed, and required that lawfully stored firearms be disassembled or locked to prevent unintentional firing. And in 2007, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit determined only one of the plaintiffs, Dick Heller, had standing to sue once he had suffered an actual injury. And now in legalese, an injury isn't like an injury in the physical sense that you might think. An injury just means harm that someone has suffered. So, for example, in a case of robbery where you're not physically hurt, your injury would be just your stolen goods. So Dick Heller's injury in this case was the denial of its application for a license to possess a handgun. So the Court of Appeals struck down certain provisions of DC's laws as unconstitutional, meaning that the district could not enforce those laws, and that section of the statute was invalid while this was making its way through the courts. And so the government then filed a petition for certiorari. So that word I just said is often just abbreviated as cert, because nobody in legal academia can agree on how that word is pronounced. It is essentially just the proposal you write to the Supreme Court saying, hey, you need to help us with this case because we think it was wrong. And quite literally, like the Supreme Court justices each pronounce that word differently. So we're just going to say cert. So the government filed for cert. Uh, and the Supreme Court heard oral arguments on March 18, 2008. Now the decision came out and it was a 5-4 ruling in which the Supreme Court affirmed the appellate court's ruling that parts of the DC law were unconstitutional. And so the translation of that is In regards to the government's petition, the answer was no, this lower court actually got it right. And now what makes Heller sort of a landmark is that it endorsed the individual right theory of the Second Amendment's meeting and rejected a rival interpretation, which would be the collective right theory. Now, the collective right theory is what you might think about when you read the text of the Second Amendment, and when it says a well-regulated militia, meaning that the right guaranteed by that amendment is collective to the militia and not individual. Whereas in this case, the Supreme Court took the position that being able to own a gun or a firearm for yourself for non-militia purposes was inherent in the Second Amendment being the individual right there, even though it doesn't actually Say that. So Justice Scalia argued that the operative clause of the amendment, which is the part that reads, "quote, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed." So Justice Scalia took that part, put it on its own, and said this sentence with the little this part of a sentence with the comma codifies an individual right derived from English common law that had been codified in the English Bill of Rights in 1689. Yes, that that is as wild to say as it is to understand because it makes no sense and was wildly unprecedented. And when I said earlier, you should pay attention to the commas, who knew a comma could mean so much? You know, in my own research, I have read many drafts of the Second Amendment, and not all of them put the comma in the same place. Shocker. Um, Some didn't have a comma at all. Some used semicolons instead of a comma. And so in my opinion, Justice Scalia here in Heller reads a little bit too much into that punctuation mark. Being the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed reading that as guaranteeing an individual right apart from the other words in the second amendment so the first clause of the second amendment the well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state is at least according to scalia consistent with this interpretation because the framers of the constitution believed that the most effective way to destroy a citizen's militia was to disarm the citizens yeah and so because the framers in Justice Scalia's mind, understood the right of self-defense to be the central component of the right to keep and bear arms, the Second Amendment implicitly protects the right to use arms in defense of hearth and home. So essentially what the court was saying here is that the individual need to protect oneself is most acute in the home. It's your domicile, it's where you live and sleep. And this part I agree with. I think that if there is an individual right to keep and bear arms, it makes the most sense that of all places where it would be most acute, it would be in the home. And so that's essentially what this opinion says. It says, you as an individual have a right to keep and bear arms under the Second Amendment, despite the Second Amendment saying absolutely nothing about you having a right to keep and bear arms as an individual. This opinion endorses the individual right theory and says that in particular, this right is most acute while you are at home, because it is where you live, sleep, breathe, eat, etc. And so while that is the main takeaway of the Heller opinion, there are some other parts of the opinion that we should discuss that. I don't think it talked about quite enough. So, like most rights, this opinion makes clear that the Second Amendment's right is not unlimited. They say explicitly that it is not a right to keep and carry any weapon whatsoever in any manner whatsoever and for whatever purpose. And Justice Scalia was very clear about this, and yet a lot of people seem to ignore it. Is that this this is not a a right to any weapon, whether ranging from pistol to assault weapon. This opinion was very narrow, and what I think is important to remember here is that the Supreme Court did not expand the issue beyond what was right in front of them. So what was right in front of them in this case was the individual right to a gun at home for self-defense purposes, and that's all this decision was covering. And now this decision is often interpreted as granting a much broader right. That is all the opinion says. The opinion also says that this decision shouldn't cast doubt on long-standing prohibitions on the possession of firearms by felons and the mentally ill laws forbidding the carrying of firearms in sensitive places such as schools and government buildings or laws imposing conditions and qualifications on the commercial sale of arms now we will get into this more in future episodes when discussing what is known as the sensitive places doctrine Uh, but this is really critical here Um, we are still clinging, those of us uh, doing gun violence prevention work in the courts are clinging to the sensitive places doctrine for dear life, um, even though it is just dicta. And dicta means that it is part of a Supreme Court opinion that is not like the primary conclusion or holding of the case, but this dicta can still be important aspects of considerations because it tells us kind of like how the justices reach their conclusion. So the dicta is not controlling, but it is often relied on as indicative of perhaps where reasoning came and went. And so those of us doing this work are clinging on to this dicta that says that there are places that presumptively you can ban firearms, um, but there is debate over whether dicta means anything at all because it's not the whole thing. And so perhaps we are clinging on to a life vest that doesn't even work. But for now, that's what we are clinging to. But like I said, we will get into all of that on a later episode. Moving to the dissents of the Heller opinion, Justice Stevens said that the majority fails to identify any new evidence supporting the view that the Second Amendment was intended to limit the power of Congress to regulate civilian uses of weapons. Justice Stevens also criticized the court for attempting to denigrate the importance of the preamble by ignoring it and just focusing on that other clause. And I would say that this is where I agree the most with any of the opinions, the majority or the dissenting opinions, in the Heller decision, because let's be honest, it's kind of absurd to twist the second amendment in this way. As I mentioned, it was super unprecedented and we can't just, if I were to say today right here on this podcast, because I am hungry, I want a sandwich. And then 200 years from now, some people were sitting on a court interpreting that sentence and they were to say, you know, while it says, because I am hungry, I want a sandwich. What he really meant was that in all situations, regardless of hunger, he wants a sandwich. It doesn't really make sense, right? So I'm just glad that here Justice Stevens called out the kind of absurdity of removing certain parts of the Second Amendment at leisure. It's just kind of silly. If what it was intended was an individual right, the framers probably would have said that because they said a lot of things explicitly that they wanted. They weren't creating codes and hidden things for us. They weren't saying you have to read this really, really carefully and parse through the sentences and then you'll be able to figure out what we mean. They just meant the words that they said. And the militia preamble, an exact phrase to keep and bear arms, according to Justice Stevens at least, demands the conclusion that the Second Amendment touches on state militia service only, which I think if we are looking back at what the framers of the Constitution would have had in mind, that seems to be it since the entire amendment is about malicious. Now, Justice Stevens uh, also says that the court would have us belief that over 200 years ago, the framers made a choice to limit the tools available to elected officials wishing to regulate civilian uses of weapons. And he says, I could not possibly conclude that the framers made such a choice. Me either, King, me either. Now there's another dissent from Justice Breyer, that in his typical Justice Breyer way, uses a lot of historical reasoning. So Justice Breyer looks up early municipal fire safety laws that forbade the storage of gunpowder, And in Boston, there were certain laws that forbade the carrying of loaded arms into certain buildings. And he used these as evidence to say that the Second Amendment has been understood to have no impact on the regulation of civilian firearms, because clearly they were still regulating aspects of it, whether it be the gunpowder or the carrying of the guns itself. They were regulating those way back in the day. Justice Breyer also questions perhaps the public safety necessity of gun control laws in the founding era, as at that time, things like automatic weapons didn't exist. And so it might take you a little while to reload your musket. And so gun control laws weren't necessary in the same way. And Justice Breyer, at least in 2008, noted that guns were responsible for 69 deaths in this country every day. And he brought that up not to say, this is a now problem, so we have to deal with it. He brought that up to say, this could not have even been fathomed by the framers. And so it is kind of patently absurd to sit here and pretend that actually, no, they did think of this and this is what they meant. And what I think is important that Justice Breyer points out in his dissent um, is that you know, according to the majority's reasoning, if Congress and the states lift restrictions on the possession and use of machine guns and people buy machine guns to protect their homes, the court will have to reverse course and find that the second amendment does in fact protect the individual self-defense related right to possess a machine gun. And there is no basis for believing that the framers intended such circular reasoning. I am begging someone to tell me where this man was wrong. And so that's Heller. It gave us this individual right that really didn't exist before this case. And it didn't exist because they made it up. Um, They took a clause of the second amendment and said, actually, you can remove it from its context. And we can just read these words as if they were written on their own which they were not and they said when you do that when you engage in this circuitous reasoning and when you stop caring about logic it just works you do have an individual right to keep and bear arms even though it doesn't say that and the dissents at least call that out but at the end of the day the decision was the decision and the majority decision controls which means that you only have an individual right to even bear arms because of this decision that right does not come from the second amendment and i cannot stress this enough this right came from the mind of supreme court justice antonin scalia nobody at the founding sat there and said i think reggie needs an ar-15 in fact i think reggie needs 72 ar-15s and he has a right to own those I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. i I really kind of agree with Justice Stevens's dissent, where he talks about, you know, the most this could really mean would be relating to state militias because at this time, the questions were all about federalism. It was a debate of, you know, what decisions were going to be left to the state versus what kind of power the federal government was going to have. And this was only in regards to, like, a federal takeover of the states. And so this wasn't even necessarily saying that individual right, like, that individuals could, make up this scrappy militia to take on the government. What the the point would be was that state militias would have the ability to exist so that in the event of a tyrannical government, the states could fight back. But no, I honestly, I I don't think when drafting the second amendment, they thought that Jim from down the road was going to personally form a militia with his 84 assault weapons. I truly have a hard time believing that that could have been anyone's intention. So... That's where the right comes from. Ooh. That was a lot of information that I threw out in a short-ish period of time. So it's probably a lot to take in, and that's okay. I wanted to start here because I think it's important to help everyone understand where this individual right to keep and bear arms came from. So I hope you will come back for the next episode, which will be part two of this unholy trinity, uh, which focuses on the case known as McDonald. And if you are interested, I would encourage you to, to read these opinions written by the Supreme Court justices, even though sometimes it may feel like the words, the verbiage is in this like heady legal world. And yes, a lot of it is. It is still important to read and try to understand because that's what we're working with. It's because of those words written on that page that this entire right, the entire Second Amendment right has been radically reshaped. And so that I think is at least worth a read. So go take a look at the the Heller opinion and see if anything sticks out for you. If you've read it before, give it another read. If you've never read it before, read it for a first time. See the absurdity for yourself. And come back next week where we will talk about McDonald. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Chad, signing off for the cast.